peaceful protest. We walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. The journey continues. Good to be back with you, Kirk. Jason Jackson here, our producer, Pernell Brown, holding it down. A little bit later in the program, Coach Ron Reed joins us. The program is entitled India's Hope, uh, Next Gen Racers. I think we have some darkness behind the wheel. Yeah. Some brown, some brown and black behind the wheel, not just like rolling that. on the asphalt. So uh, looking forward to talking to Rod in a little bit, uh, but a lot to get to uh, early in the program. Uh, a little bit later, we'll also just dive in uh, a, a mystical, mythical topic mm. of how those leagues and organizations that did and continue to stand up uh, for equality and social justice actually maybe aren't turning off the people who said... <laughs> They were turning off mm, that a little bit of suspense, as well. <laughs> but a couple things here to start to show up. I, I was going to start off with some data Uh-oh. that I was pulling out of my derriere earlier. Are you going? It, you going, David Fisdale on me? I was going to take this for data <laughs> as it pertains to this election that won't quit, um, even though we all know it's over. But some data I wanted to at least hit you with. But before we came on the air, you hit me. With a yeah. little one-two punch, because as we record, correct today is the day dreams come true for sixty young men around the world, and one team is cheating, being a part of this experience at a very high level. Uh, and it's the team you love the most. The Golden State Warriors potentially yeah. will add a great young player tonight, James Wiseman. And he, yeah. yeah, that's my call for you, by the way. <laughs> if Minnesota doesn't take ball and your guys don't take Wiseman, I just I quit. I don't yeah. I don't I don't get it. But there's deals to be made, and so we'll we'll leave that space. But sir, welcome back uh to um we, we acknowledge the fact that your warriors are back and in the mix at a high level. It's okay to say it, Jason. Uh, welcome back to relevancy. Because um, my team... Uh, you see I my lips. Up. I checked yeah. my lips. <laughs> yeah. Um, because, uh, you know, I'm a big, huge sports fan. Uh, NBA fan as well. Um, and I've been a Warriors fan my whole life. I grew up watching uh, the Warriors, you know, doesn't matter what the team was doing, we were still watching. We were still there. We were still cheering. Uh, it was funny, Jason, that we looked at the uh, a ticket from 2009. Okay, 2009 Warriors. Um, you could get into the upper deck, uh, second level seats for $10. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll send you the picture today. I'll send they you might the not picture. let you park <laughs> on the street around the chase yeah. for $10. Now. I will send you the picture of what yeah. Golden State Warriors basketball used to be like. But um, obviously, we had to take a year off due to injuries, KD leaving. It's just a lot that goes into it. But I think even as a fan base, too, our fan base was went from being uh, a demographic of the Warriors were an East Bay team. 
very urban, very cultural team, right? And it was it was built that we believe was more for was about the culture and the toughness of Oakland and, and Hayward and, and and Fremont, which is the East Bay. It's different than the city, San Francisco. And so when the Warriors in their first year over at Chase, obviously it didn't work out maybe the way people may have wanted. Um, and for good, because now we have a draft pick like you mentioned, and we'll, we'll move forward from there. But I'm excited to be a Warriors fan. But then you just touched on something too, Jason. The dreams of a lot of young men. Yeah, man. Um, that, that, will, that will be become a reality, right? And I can go two things here. Because I wanted to get your opinion, because I never had a chance to ask you this question. Sure. Um, we haven't heard from LeVar Ball in a very, very long time. But we know his son um, will be drafted at some point. And I, I looked at the way that, a, to me, a dad has kind of calmed down. And, and remember, he's a black dad. And I think a lot of people had never seen a black dad so involved the way he was involved, the way that he talked about his kids. And to a lot, I think a lot of young black men, we never saw LeVar Ball as a problem. But I thought people outside of the culture saw him as a problem because he was so boisterous in the way he talked about his kids, the way he talked about. But to me, I was like, you go down to the park on Saturday. That's what we see every single week. Right. Hey, that's my son. Man. My son going to the NBA. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to speak it to him. And so to think about the transition or I would say the way that he's evolved since Lonzo came into the NBA and now. You know, here, I think that we've seen a different LeVar ball and, you know, I hope that it stays the same. But to me, it, it's he's been one of the the, the black dads, African-American dads that you've seen progress from a guy who wanted so much and tried to do so much. He's like, let me take taper it back a little bit. This is about the kids, not about me. I always looked at the boys. Right. That was my measure. It, it was not my style. It's not my cup of tea. Right. I, 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 I prefer that the player be a player. Right, yeah, exactly. Player be uh, but if his boys were good with it, I had no issue with it. I I knew he was not going to change this machine, right? <laughs> right. Like I I know how <laughs> the machine works. Correct, and it's courageous, and I dig it. Uh, that's probably year seven after you've established your greatness in the league when you can start to alter. Mm. Uh, the way you do things. Shaquille O'Neal's had his own shoe for almost 30 years, right? Yes. It didn't start in year one. That was Reebok, right? So he eventually got to a place where he understood the shoe business, manufactured a shoe that was at a price point where everyone could get their hands on those. Um, Marbury did the very similar thing. Yeah, you're right. Um, But it takes a minute. It takes a minute. You come in, you get your traction, you roll. I'm not saying it should be that way, but we're talking about a billion dollar business. There's, there's just some things that I am <laughs> reticent in, right? I'm cool with learning the structure, being able to find my lane and go. Don't get in my way because I'm black, right? Like, right. That, we're not going to do that. But if there is no real hurdle, I just have to find my way. Cool, right? There's only so many people that are going to have these lifetime opportunities, opportunities yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Michael was the first. Yes, LeBron looks like KD might find his way there. Uh, the money that Harden made, even if they stop making his shoe, yeah. is lifetime <laughs> stuff, right? Yeah, I think you throw um, Lillard in there now. Lillard yeah. had that deal. Yeah, that beautiful. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I mean, making shoes after you're done playing. 
Correct. People are still buying them. I don't know if that gets much beyond LeBron for this generation as it has been for, for Michael before him. Um, so, I, listen, one thing you can expect in life is change. Right. And if you don't change with it, what's your life? You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. it's just that that's I, I appreciate anybody's evolution. I assume he's still the same. We just don't see it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think also, too, is just I know that a lot of lives are always changed. Right. You know, yeah. the same feelings that, you know, when you asked me back during the NFL draft. Right. I'm like, right. I, I still get those same emotions and feelings because it takes me back to that time of where I was, what I was doing and how my life changed forever being drafted because there is a great amount of pressure uh, amongst family, friends to live up to, you know, the status that you have now gained. And it's the same thing. I think it's more difficult in the NBA than it is for a black man in NFL. I think in the NFL, you know, you're on a team. So sometimes you, you kind of get, you can get lost in a team and elevate yourself or kind of stay the same. And you can go two or three years and not necessarily have that guy. Yeah. But I look at these young dudes in the NBA and you got you got a year, two years. You got to let me know, Come you know, on. are you, you good or you're not? Cause we either drafting over you. We either you're trading three. you. Three. We know a lot of year three. We know. And, we know. and now and we can see their facial expressions too. Mm. We can see like, you know, their social media accounts and, and the attention that they garner. Sure. And I'm just thinking like, man, I couldn't, I couldn't see. I grew up in the, not grew up, but when I was in the NFL, I was in the, the, the early stages of Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, right? So I kind of, I was already in it. And then all of a sudden social media came and I've watched it grow as I've retired. Mm. I can't imagine what these young men go through now, especially young men of color who are, you know, obviously in some situations in which a lot of people look for them, not only as the leaders of their communities, leaders of guidance. And I'm saying the pressure of just playing basketball first, because I think a lot of people put a lot of attention on them to have to make the change, to have to do this and come back and give back to the hood and do this and do that. And so that's a lot of times I'm always honestly just just sending positive vibes and hoping that, you know, Jay, that they can find their path to play basketball first before they have to worry about what's going on in the outside world. And it's so tough because the window this year, more than any, is <sighs> so tight, man. Usually you had three months to get your work in. Right. In your facility, summer league, and then you got oh, the camp. These kids are getting that. drafted, yeah. and less than two weeks getting baptized. I mean, in the twelve feet, <laughs> in the twelve feet, uh, these guys will get drafted less than a month later. They'll play their first preseason game. Yeah, getting baptized less early. than a month. Throw them in the fire. Throw them in the fire. Let's see. Let's see. together. That's going to be something. Kirk Morrison, Jason Jackson. It's forward progress. Shift gears just a little bit. Uh, because I wanted to nail down something I talked about uh, as the election was finishing. <laughs> Nick Field is a, a, a writer. I love all the grads from American University. My man, David Aldridge, mm -hmm. that's his alma mater. So okay. anybody DA, from America, I'm okay. good. Uh, this guy writes for Politics uh, Pennsylvania. He's the managing editor and therefore connects with my favorite group that crunches data on elections. And that's uh, Decision Desk HQ. And he ran some numbers Nick did for them. Uh, examining Pennsylvania's exit polls uh, and one area Biden really improved over Hillary was men. 
And it, it's, it, I think it speaks two things. I'll get all the, the, the data yeah. out and then we can, we can talk about it. Cause there is a, there's a gender-based issue yes. and a race-based issue here that we should really, really examine. And this, I don't know if this requires you to take sides. Like this is just data. So right. don't get up in your feels. It's probably obvious <laughs> where Kirk and I land on the political spectrum. But right. I want to get back to a place where we, even though our philosophical ideals about politics may be different, right. we still have a conversation. It we can, can be still spirit, Yeah, we can right. be spirited, right? But we're not going to get nasty. We're gonna, right. I'm trying to stop that part. Of it. Right. Uh, but, but it's data. So let's go. Let's run through it. This is just for Pennsylvania, by the way. Mm -hmm. Critical, critical state, obviously. Right. But Trump over the top in 16 and, uh, and, and wrapped up the show uh, for Joe. In 20. So she got 83% and 32% respectively of black and white men back in 2016. 16, right. He went up plus six on black men and plus five on white men for 89%. He almost got 90% of the brothers in PA. And then 37% white men respectively. Now here's the one where our friends on the other side of the aisle have flipped their wig and are pushing back. Biden in Pennsylvania tied Trump with white male college grads. Hillary trailed by 15 points. Yeah. So what are we to identify with our, our white brothers who uh, gained what I like to refer to as some critical thinking, right. a universal mind in that space at a massive increase a 15 point closing yeah um that we that we didn't see so he improved in areas uh that we probably imagine um that that five percent bump with white men overall doesn't really surprise me um that's how you win right it's that move and right. the percentage that that trump won was so minuscule uh in pennsylvania in 16 uh that type of move speaks to why uh, Joe uh, won, and, and that number kept growing. But this little area of people who probably are in the stock market, yeah. probably love that tax cut, probably love the way the court has been slid into a conservative area. Do we look at the college graduate white male a little different? I don't know. But what are your thoughts? You know, I uh, the first thing that comes to mind for me is um, I feel like that age group, because when we're talking about an age group of, what do you think? Maybe 20. Wow, it could be from anywhere from 25 to 50. You could slide it down a little Correct. older of active voting base, but I'm going to give credit to younger voters for this time. Around. Yeah, I think for me, the, the one thing that just sticks out to me, Jason, is that I felt like we've all learned a certain way to handle business or to go about our ideals and our beliefs. And the president B basically threw that out of the window, right? Whether it's the way that you articulate, the way that you um, come across to someone, the way that you either listen, um, just a lot of things. And I think maybe I'm gonna put myself in those shoes, right? I'm gonna put myself in that college graduate as I'm coming out. I was always taught in the beliefs of act, act kind to people, mm -hmm. you know, uh, listen to folks, right? It's okay to disagree, but I don't have to 
talk down on that person. I don't have to say it's someone else's fault instead of saying, how can we fix the problem? And I think that's where we're at now. We're in a country that people want to fix problems instead of blame them on people. That's the one thing I feel like that sticks out to me is that you have a lot of people who said that that's not the way that I grew up, the way that he's acting or the way that he's doing things. I didn't I didn't learn that growing up. And to me, that's a turnoff because that's a huge number of people, like you mentioned, that are saying, I don't like that. I want to turn the channel. I want to do something different. Mm -hmm. And doing something different is voting different. Right. And that's why I think those gentlemen or the, the, the people uh, who have voted, that, that's what they're telling me, that I can't get along with the ideals or the way that you're doing things because it just doesn't sit well with me. Maybe conservative, uh, may, maybe always voted Republican, but could not stomach what we experienced. Mm. I understand. <laughs> with that being said, let's take a quick break. When we come back here on Foral Progress, a sport we haven't been able to touch yet on our program. I'm excited, man. We're going to visit with Rod Reed, part of India's Hope, going to learn about the NX Gen Racers as Forward Progress continues. Stay with us. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. The program continues. It's Kirk Morrison, Jason Jackson, and what a delight it is for me growing up about I don't, if you put your foot down heavy, it's only about 80 minutes from Cincinnati to Indianapolis. So we used to make the run up there for a series of reasons. And every now and then it was because uh, the motorsports were the focus of the time. That's back when I turned into an intern and had to learn some <laughs> things about uh, anything yeah. beyond the big three, Kirk. And so you better. It, it's absolutely. <laughs> it is our pleasure to welcome Rod Reed to the program. Uh, and, and coach, I, I want to give a little background on the program, but I want you to teach us today uh, what you got going for young people uh, with Next Generations, uh, nonprofit organization offering uh, just this wonderful learning program using a go-kart driving and motorsports as a tool for STEM learning and life skills. So many of the top racers, uh, this is where they started, right? Like we they start. They started in these go-karts. You've been doing this uh, coming up on 15 years. And uh, I don't know if our, our subscribers know enough, so let's teach them. All right, great. Well, thank you guys for uh, having me on. Yeah, it's, it's been a, a very interesting journey. Uh, as you mentioned, 15 years working with uh, young people, 11 to 15-year-olds, uh, predominantly heavily um, uh, black and brown kids and about 25% female, believe it or not. How about that? Showing them how to race and how to race professionally in terms of this, the, the techniques and the things like that that are required uh, to do racing um, and using it as a, I, I call it a lure to get them in to learn a little bit about science and math and things like that that they uh, wouldn't have normally associated with, uh, with motorsports. Um, but we've been doing that and, and it's, a, it's been a very interesting ride. So when you first uh, speak with or, or talk with a young person and you tell them uh, about what you're doing and about car racing, what, what is kind of the response? Because we're just talking about it. It's not necessarily the big, it's not basketball. It's not football. It's not baseball. It's not things that you can do at your elementary school. It's not something that you do on the weekend normally. So how does those conversations actually start and how does the interest start up? 
Well, it, you know, the thing that has happened with a lot of these young people is that they may have been to uh, a concession go-kart, a go-kart center or indoor karting, or they may have seen someone have a little go-kart on the street and they're super excited about it. But as you say, uh, uh, Kirk, it's just a, a, a sport that they don't really know about. So the first thing is they want to know uh, how fast it goes, how fast do these go-karts. <laughs> and, and the carts that we have can go, uh, you stop and think about it, an 11-year-old, never been in a motorized equipment going 45 miles an hour, that can be pretty scary. Um, the, uh, the big issue is with parents, uh, most of the know how safe it is you know my kid's gonna get hurt i hear about all these crashes that sort of thing and so we always tell the tell the parents that this is safer you're gonna get hurt playing soccer more than you're gonna get hurt playing uh doing this uh sport by getting them in the in the cart and putting the helmets on and the suits that's when they get this sense of of accomplishment this sense of pride it's amazing how much they uh change when they put on the uniform so we have them um, come to us on a Saturday morning and get in the go-kart. Uh, we show them everything that they need to do before they actually uh, uh, step foot in it. So we're doing some teaching about what is a motorized piece of equipment. It's got an engine. It's got tires. It's got pedals and brakes. And you have to, as we say, manage all of that. So we compare it to sports, ticket ball sports, like for example, golf. Golf, you got a course that you have to run. You got to be able to navigate that course. But the biggest difference is you have to sort of have this skill yourself in order to drive and to maneuver along the course and do it in such a way that you can um, um, really be fast. That's the hardest part for all the, 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 the kids is to understand why I can't just put my foot down and use the pedal, the gas pedal, and then all of a sudden, I didn't realize that I could spin out or hit the cones and um, have a difficult time at it. But uh, they, they love the idea of it. They're just very surprised at how sophisticated and what kind of skill is required to do it. And, and that fits with any sport. It doesn't matter if it's basketball, football. You really have a strategy that you have to maintain. you got to understand how, how to, to manage that equipment. Rod Reed with us here from Next Generations. Uh, this academy presents the essentials of competitive go-kart racing, including proper driving techniques, hands-on classroom instruction, and safety precautions. Rewind the clock, though, for us. Uh, take us back to the, the early 80s. Take us out to the mm -hmm. West Coast. Yeah. Uh, when this all started <laughs> for you. And, yeah. and what was it about this particular sport that drew you in? I, I think back to that time, I was a... I was a young man with hair back then. Um, you and me both. We yeah, all man. were. We all were. Yeah, there we go. The <laughs> challenge, getting it yes. done on forward progress. Um, obviously, we were all courted to or drawn to football, basketball, baseball. What was it about this sport that called your name? Well, uh, it starts with the fact that I grew up here in Indianapolis. I'm not originally from Indy. I'm an East Coast kid, but I came to Indy uh, as, a, as a teenager, um, early teens. 
Indianapolis was all the rage, you know, everything from uh, going to the 500 and hearing about the, the, the Mario Andretti's of the world. And I was just fascinated with the sound and the speed. And so I had an opportunity to go to uh, the, the racetrack when I, I think the first time I actually saw in person IndyCar was when I was uh, 17 years old. Fast forward, I had an opportunity to work at the Speedway as what they call the yellow shirt. That's the, 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 the folks that do the security and pick up trash, all that kind of stuff. And I did that so I didn't have to pay for my first um, uh, event there. And I just fell in love with it. I just thought it was a fantastic sport. My background was in engineering, so I saw it as a sophisticated way of, of um, expressing uh, the, the mechanical aspects of equipment. That was just just cool. I used to draw cars and and race cars like a lot of kids do. Um, but what changed for me specifically was that um, I had a, a friend of mine who was my partner in Next Gen Racers um, was was racing go karts, and he said, "I'm going to go out and do a driving school on the West Coast. Let's go hang out." So we drove out there, and he got involved in a, in a school. It was called Jim Russell. And uh, make a long story short, that experience of seeing the the technique and all of the sophistication that comes with being a race car driver just intrigued me and um uh we ended up at the same time that there were others racing uh in the 80s in the 80s uh we ended up running a class called open wheel class called super v which is like a forerunner uh in the ladder system if you will to get to indycar and that was our, our goal to be you know one of the first if not the first uh, African-American to run Indy. Um, and along the way, we uh, ran into some, you know, some folks who just misused us. I mean, honestly, we, we, we got, uh, got screwed financially. And um, that frustration um, and the whole sheer uh, audacity of someone in the sport to say, hey, look, you know, we're going to take your money and we're not going to deliver on what we uh, promise you. We just said, we don't want another black kid, you know, girl or boy to have to go through what we went through in, in two or three years of, of driving. So um, we went on and decided that the next generation of racers, that's the name, would um, would gain from or, uh, from us and from knowing what we know. And so that's how we started and said, you know what, we're going to take a young young boy or girl and we decided to create a race team we actually bought a stock car that was our first purchase and uh, we were going to put a kid in the stock car to race but it ended up <laughs> that we blew up the engine on the first test session <laughs> kid is a 15 year old kid and we didn't know enough to tell him to watch his gauges so we said you know what the stock car is a little too uh sophisticated why don't we start with a go-kart and i would say that that over 90% of racers start in go-karting. And uh, it's a good training ground. So we decided to buy go-karts. And thanks to uh, some really great sponsorship from Lucas Oil and others, we were able to get all the assets. And so when we do this program, the kids don't have to do anything except, as we say, have a good attitude and clean underwear. <laughs> you know, Rod, this this year in general, right, 2020, um, me and Jason have talked a lot about it on this show for progress, just about the awakening uh, throughout the country of people of color, the challenges that we have and people listening to what we feel like sometimes um, the people who don't listen to us. But now they're listening. And 
I think one of the big things that we saw over the summer in racing was Bubba Wallace, a guy of color, a man of color, you know, a black man racing and things that, you know, the whole noose incident and people saying, hey, what, you know, was it a new, how that, you know, all of that that we had to answer about. We had to talk about those things. So now I bring that up because how different is it now, Rod, than maybe in the 80s, early 2000s, now being a black man around racing? Is it more now accepted? Are people saying, oh, okay, yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit more. Is that happening now more than probably when you first started? Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, I always call it the George Floyd effect Mm. that uh, has made all of us. I mean, not just in motorsports, but when you think about our society as a whole, um, you know, there's more awareness about about folks of color and, and inclusion, but motorsports has been seriously, it's one of the, the, the whitest sports. I mean, I, I don't think maybe yachting gets <laughs> less inclusive. Hey, hey Rod, ain't, ain't too many brothers on boats. I'm just giving no, you, I'm just giving, just keeping you real. <laughs> but uh, I think that, um, yeah, as a matter of fact, we had an opportunity back in July. Uh, there was the weekend of the Brickyard, the NASCAR Brickyard uh, 400. Um, Bubba Wallace uh, called into our class and talked to, we had 22 kids in class and uh, he did a, a Zoom meeting with them. And uh, it was it was really interesting. The, I will share this fact with you that uh, I think is telling. I had 22 kids that I have involved in, in, in karting that understand racing a little bit. Okay. Out of them, only three of them knew who he was. And out of those three, it's because I actually shared with them right before the, the Zoom meeting. I said, let me tell you about this, this person. Um, and only one of the three knew about him prior to this year because they, they knew about the you know Confederate flag thing and so forth. So that shows you our awareness. And that's one of the reasons our, our program exists is that we want to teach kids not just to drive, but also about motorsports to be engaged in the sport so that we can have others uh, you know chime in. But uh, uh, the Penske organization, you know, they bought the Speedway and the Indianapolis, uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the 500 in January of this year. Mm. When we started our program, uh, because of COVID, we were late. And in June, uh, we had a chance to meet with, uh, with those folks. And they said, what can we do? You know, you've been around here for 14 years. And that was the very first time anyone asked me from that organization, what can we do? And I was thinking, okay, let me tell you what you can do. There are a lot of little black and brown kids that are right here in this neighborhood, a couple blocks from the speedway that feel like they can't come in here. So you can welcome them. You can open the door. Uh, And it doesn't, that doesn't cost anything to say, you know what, we would like to have the black community come in and we have something for you, but it's got to translate into uh, welcoming by the teams, the sponsors, all the people around the sport. So it starts at leadership level, but uh, to, to, to your point, they've at least are now listening. Uh, they, I think earlier started a, a, a program where they're calling it the, the race for change and equality. We are a part of it. Uh, I asked them to help leverage their relationships to help us with both funding and other kinds of support. Uh, so, that's been really, really good. But you're absolutely right. It's just been amazing, the, the turnaround. They finally see us, if you will. Yeah. 
Rod Reed with us here on Forward Progress. It's Kirk Morris and Jason Jackson. Uh, the organization is NXG Youth Motorsports, the program Next Generations. You can find out more information at nxgyouth.org. Uh, who is the golden child in your group? Who are we going to know about in the in the very near future that's going to elevate out of go-karts onto the scene? Is there is there someone that just makes you smile when they hop behind the wheel right now? Man, you're putting me on the spot, Jason. You're putting me on the spot. <laughs> I know we love our old children yeah. equally, but there's always. Yeah, they all, I love them all. They're all great. No, I think there are some uh, kids that come out of this. Um, the, the, the two things I want to share with you. Uh, first and foremost, there's, there are two sides to a race car driver. There's that, you know, that ability, uh, that daredevil ability, that super man and woman ability to go out there and drive you know, right to the, to the limits of what that particular cart or vehicle can handle. And then there's that person who is uh, really smart and measured and understands it from uh, the standpoint of the physics and the, the, the geometry that's in there. And we've got a, a, a lot of people that work on both sides. But I would I would just throw out uh, I'm going to throw out a couple of names, um, you know, pay attention to uh, a young man named Miles Rowe. He came out of karting. I think he's got a chance to, to, to do something. We've been working with him. Uh, I think there are other folks that are part of um, the, the program. We've got a, a, a young woman uh, named Violet Townsend. She's 14. I think she's got uh, a shot. So these may be some of the names, and there are many. Truly, there are a lot of kids. The biggest contributor to them not getting into sport is money. And it has been a pay-to-play sport. I'm very vigilant and 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 uh, involved in trying to make sure that this becomes a skill-oriented sport, so that people are selected based on their ability to to um, perform. And I and I will also add this. I threw out those names as drivers. I want to say to you that it the real opportunity for us, I believe, is in the in, in the paddock, in the garage, and in the office. Uh, in the cockpit, everybody wants to see the black driver, uh, you know, male and female. But I think we've got a lot of opportunity to be mechanics and engineers and other uh, folks, uh, you know, communicators like yourself. I mean, you got out of, you know, out of sports, you know, football, basketball, et cetera. And look what you're doing now. And this is sustainable. You know, those lives are getting banged up out there, Jason. Come on. Absolutely. <laughs> how, how, how that the wear and tear on your body. But um, I think we have some great opportunities, uh, as I say, to do some of that behind the scenes work because that's where I came in. I mean, I w I'm not a race car driver. I've always been the guy uh, behind the scenes, pushing, uh, those who are in the uh, um, in the cockpit. You know, last one from from me, Rod, is um, just what do you envision for 2021, right? We're, we're on the, the back end, the back nine, we're the last three holes of 2020. So what do you envision for 2021 for Next Gen Racers? Well, I'm, I'm hoping that we can get through this COVID, uh, Kirk, is if we have uh, more, we, we had about a third of the normal students that we serve in 2020 um, because of COVID. We didn't get started until late uh, in, in uh, late June and July. And then we carried deep into October to reach the 46 kids that we did. For next year, I'm hoping that we can reach over 100 kids, but uh, we've got to start pretty early. So we're looking at now going more year round. 
Uh, we're able to have some support that uh, is going to help, help us with that, where we would use in-car cart, indoor carting mm-hmm. to have classes earlier. Like we could maybe have classes in February where normally we don't get out there until April because it's cold. Um, the other thing is um, I think if we can uh, get the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and other venues to allow a little larger groups, then we can get back out there and see more kids. But that's the big push for us. Um, we're extending our program uh, a little bit to teach. And I'll, I'm excited about this. I'll share this with you guys very quickly. Teaching about tools. You know, when we grew up, you know, I had a dad or somebody that says, hey, you know, let's go wrench on something on your car or bicycle. These, these young people today, unfortunately, oh, yeah. give them a lot of opportunities to use wrenches and hammers and screwdrivers. So we uh, added a program that's called um, Track Tools. And um, Snap-on has been really cool. They, they provided us uh, a lot of new tools to help the kids uh, learn that, that aspect of it. So that's what we're hoping that 2021 becomes a, uh, a real learning opportunity for these young people. Rodri, thank you for the time. Thanks to your great organization for the work that you do and uh, the information for us to get it together. Uh, and, and now, Kurt, we've now had black girls in the ice. Yes. Brown, brown and black kids at the track. Uh, if anybody else has those stories, we'd love to hear them. Our producer is Pernell Brown. That's two L's. It's Pernell.Brown at Sirius.com. Uh, let them know about your fantastic organization. Again, uh, Coach Reed, thank you. Great. Jason, Kirk, thank you, guys. When we come back, just a quick thought uh, about erroneous thoughts, Kirk, <laughs> about how the social justice message was used and how it was received as forward progress continues. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Forward Progress continues. Kirk Morrison, Jason Jackson. Kirk, there was this massive narrative that the NBA ratings were down. And they were down because Black Lives Matter uh, was on the court. Because the game's players uh, were very vocal about what they they wanted to happen uh, in Kentucky. uh, And many other locations where injustice was occurring. Um, that, that any time a sport embraced uh, what was going on, uh, which was uh, a disproportionate killing of black people by law enforcement, yeah. say it out loud. Like, it's not this boogeyman that's coming <laughs> to the Triscuits yeah. out of your pantry, folks. This is something that's occurring at, at a ridiculous level. And so there was this feeling, at least uh, a perper- perpetrated discussion from opposition, uh, that Sports ratings are going to drop. People are going to stop watching because uh, they don't want this in their sports or they don't believe in those movements. Well, uh, we're here to tell you uh, all sports ratings are down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they got nothing to do with black folks talking about black folks. Mm-hmm. I'm tell you that right now. Uh, a note that we uh, saw in a story from the big league that, uh, by the way, if you're a sports junkie, sports media watch is a great follow. I, I, I so love the business of our business. I'm always in this. Uh, here was their information uh, about uh, the masters. All right. And, and the masters, uh, let's just say, uh, while doing a wonderful job trying to expand where they're from, they have a very low bar to step over as yeah. it pertains to inclusion and social justice. Uh, but I'm so glad that they are honoring uh, Lee Elder next year. He'll be one of the ceremonial starters. First man first man of color, first black man. Let's do it right now. Yeah. Play of the Masters. Uh, but the ratings for the Masters were down 51%. Tiger Woods was there. 
Uh, yep. One of the greats of the game, Dustin Johnson, dominated the tournament. All of the great players, Shambro was in there. Yeah. It didn't go well, right? People love to see the train wreck. Mm-hmm. Those of us who love golf were locked in. The 5 million people, were, those are golf junkies. But there's another 5 million who come by because, Kirk, it's a huge event. They didn't come by. Something's happening in sports to the casual viewer across the board. It ain't got nothing to do with people standing up and talking about justice. Yeah, it's a it's a lot right now, right? And it's we're living through a pandemic. We're living through people have different options as well in terms of how they spend their time and what they want to do. They found out outdoors was there. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they they found this out though, Jason. Let's be real. Um, the master, and there's certain things that belong where they belong, right? Like, I don't know how I feel about November golf, right? <laughs> I mean, for me, and the masters told me Easter was around the quarter. You know what I mean? Like, oh, Easter coming. All right, the masters. Bring us from the spring is here. Yeah. And when you watch the masters and you would see how beautiful and green that grass is, there was a sense of, Spring is around the corner. No, spring is here. Summer is almost coming now. Easter is here. The school year is ended. Hello, friends. It was always a place in time that you know when the Masters come, this is what happens. Same thing with the NBA. Um, October ain't ain't, ain't supposed to be no NBA, right? Like the NBA is a summer event. Right in the, the summer, finals. like June, yeah, the finals, right. the finals. I'm right. sorry, yeah, NBA. I'm sorry, the finals, yeah, yeah. playoffs, finals. That's right, right. May, June, when it's when it's when it's hot, and you can watch a game and then go out there and go do the moves later on that day or the next day. Did you see Braun last night with the fadeaway? Or I mean, you, you just it's those types of things that for me, I understand where I'm at, and I know things had to be postponed. But even next year, right? Like, no, the uh, the Olympics are supposed to be every four years, right? Now this is an odd year. It's going to be in twenty twenty one, and then it, it doesn't. I, I'm a traditionalist. I'm not going to go as hardcore as, as you with with your baseball, right? But mm-hmm. I know how you are, right? You don't watch the hundred Rams games with me. Huh? I can't get you to do it. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, I, I do like the way that things were set up because you knew and it was okay program viewing of this is when it's supposed to happen but you try to put the masters up against college football on a saturday right trying to put it up against the nfl on a sunday we all die on that man come on man (laughs) it's just hey you you thought that okay let's try this because oh people love the masters but let's be honest we just love the guy with the red shirt on sundays a lot of times and look, we 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 watch who's going to win if it's not the guy in the red shirt who who we love to watch. Right. But without that storyline, and that's another thing, storylines. People cheer for storylines, like right. Tiger that comeback last year. That's I, I wanted Off to watch. The, the casual fan wants to watch that, Off Jason. And so, look, I know people want to make it out to be something you know about social justice and things like that. But I, I feel like by watching the election. Half the country wants to hear it. Maybe the other half turns it off. But at the same time, I just don't think that it's going to affect the way I watch my sports and my television. My view is simply this. The NFL is the only sport that doesn't have casual fans. 
There, you don't casually yeah. stroll into the NFL <laughs> except on Super Bowl Sunday. That yes, that's this. Yeah. That's you got to draw allegiance on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, on, yeah, on Super Bowl yeah. Sunday. You you figure it out, or you're there for the super commercials, or just the right. party, right? But what we found is the Masters took a 51 percent hit. Uh, the NBA Finals, the lowest rated series on record, the World Series dropped 36 percent with all that drama, right? That that. There are a multitude of reasons, and you touched on a few of them, uh, that are causing that. And I'm just going to go with casual basis. Casual people are doing other things because for that period between March and May, when you had to find something else, people developed habits. And those habits have drawn them in different directions. And I think it's just really important that this debate about the anthem, to kneel or stand during, is the most ridiculous thing to say is guiding viewership. Yeah. You can say that for you as an individual. That's fine. Right. And, and good riddance to you. Don't want you around anyway. Um, you're hurting no one's feelings or mm-hmm. bottom line. Um, these sports, though, do, Kirk, the other side of the coin, have to figure out how do we get this 51, this 36%, this 33%, how do we get them back in the fold? And yeah. it's probably, like you said, getting back to that calendar, number one, mm-hmm. that feels right. The NBA now starting two months late, going to go into July, leading right into the Olympics. So that may be the place where the NBA finds itself back to a regular schedule, or do they cling to um, the the idea of let's quit playing with this NFL monster. We'll come back on Christmas Day, and, right. and that'll be the deal. Uh, baseball will find itself quickly back in its regular pocket. I, I think uh, to your point that that's what happens uh, or is going to happen. I think um, from what the people who I've talked to and, until 2022 gets here, everything is going to be, we're playing catch up, right? In terms of our sports, we're playing catch up. And that's just the tough part. That's the reality. The way college football, the NFL, you mentioned the NBA, baseball, hockey, everybody had just had abrupt seasons. And so that affected this next season of 20, the 2020, 2021 calendar year. And by 2022, things should hopefully, I'm saying that with the air quotes, hopefully <laughs> return back to normal. But I think also too, let's let's not forget. Jason, I think we forget a key aspect of it is, too, why people are turned off. I, I, I don't know if I really like watching a sporting event where I don't see fan reaction. Mm. Right. With no fans there, it, it, it feels empty. It, it doesn't yeah. have that same energy, that same pulse, that same buzz like of, of a of, of the home team cheering loud for that final possession. And then all of a sudden the away team hits that three at the end or scores that touchdown and you get silence amongst the crowd or vice versa, get the the last second touchdown, right? You know, one of the big plays of the NFL last week was a Kyler Murray, you know, hell Murray up to DeAndre Hopkins for the Arizona Cardinals. They score a touchdown. And had that place been able to hold fans, how loud the roar of the crowd would have been, that it would be echoing, but you don't have to talk over it. I think that also has a lot to do with why these ratings are down. And that goes to my point of 2022, when fans are able to get back into these stadiums, you gotta be able to do that. Well, that's gonna do it for us, Kirk. We did it again. We did it again. <laughs> yes, indeed. And our producer, uh, Pernell Brown. I am Jason Jackson. Uh, we are taking the Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah. So we'll see everybody after the holiday. Enjoy it, gobble, gobble. And we'll talk to you next time.